Steph. Hugh. Here we are. Yes. We are approaching, and based off of when this episode's coming out, it'll be the third year of this mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Sitting face to face, recording this episode. For the first time in... Two years. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me think about those first recording sessions that we did here. When we first got started, we hadn't put together the website yet. We hadn't done anything. We were just recording, recording beforehand, recording right? Recording ideas. Our, yeah. yeah. Without knowing what direction condenser mics faced. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're probably going to be talking about that tonight. I, I well. absolutely love that. Um, yeah. So maybe we should introduce ourselves. You're listening to Can't Sell This, a podcast about creativity, creatives, and their process. With your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. I guess I can... It feels weird introducing myself on a podcast that I've been that a part co-host. of. But but I'm Stefan Grambart, I, hmm. and uh, I am a creative professional. I'm currently living in Toronto, and uh, I got my start in animation... I worked as a 2D classically trained animator on film and TV and video games, which then got me into interactive. I got really interested in working in interactive um, properties, entertainment, um, not specifically games. I did work a little bit in games, but I was more interested in like what was going on in, with the web at the time mm-hmm. before online gaming was even a thing. And uh, yeah, then took a detour through advertising and did a bunch of weird advertising stuff. And then uh, when I moved to Toronto, I, um, I got in with a company that was doing basically the same sort of thing, marketing, advertising, but for, for TV and film, right. like for the entertainment business. So that meant a lot of fun and weird stuff, uh, you know, always about storytelling and using new technology. That got me into VR, did a bunch of VR stuff. And now I uh, am a freelance narrative designer working in augmented reality or alternate reality games, I should say, not augmented, and uh, VR and indie games, and I uh, also teach. Okay. That was a way better uh, intro than I'm going to do. Oh, come on. So, listener... You don't know, but I just put my arm back. Just I'm, I'm getting I'm getting comfortable. So I'm Hugh Elliott. I'm a creative technologist based out of Toronto. Uh, I am a trained illustrator, of course. That makes all the difference in what I do. <laughs> I graduated from college, immediately couldn't find a job as an illustrator, and uh, went into landscaping. Did that for a couple of months, and then got a job as a as an animator and designer for a small. A small advertising agency, web agency, uh, and through that started using Flash. And Flash became my bread and butter for about 15 years, uh, rising through the ranks from junior to intermediate to senior to director to um, freelance. Uh, And then uh, one day I decided I wanted to make things instead of uh, uh, code things. So I... I built a, um, a two-axis plotter out of foam core and some uh, motors that I found. Uh, and because of that, I got a job at a small experiential company. Uh, specifically, they mentioned, hey, by the way, we saw that thing. We want to hire you. 
And then I uh, have been doing that ever since. And it's been probably about six or seven years of doing experiential. And I now am a senior creative technologist for uh, an agency called Thinking Box. Um, yeah. And yeah. I am uh, the other half of Can't Sell This. Yep. <laughs> Which is an interesting... It's an interesting uh, development, I think. I think the fact that we've managed to maintain a podcast for three years uh, is a testament to mm-hmm. stick to uh, What? I, I like stick to Yeah, stick to And I, I did a little did. thing with my arm. To yeah, you did. Stick to You know, um, Steph, when when we when we first started, there was no inkling that this was going to be a, a thing. It was going to mm-hmm. go and go and go. Yep. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, this was. I mean, if we think back to that, the first conversation where we said we should have a podcast or we should make a podcast. Yeah. It was based on like one goofy idea. One goofy conversation. Yeah. But but that goofy conversation uh, cemented a rapport between the two of us that I I I knew that that those conversations could be interesting to other people. And that was where, because I think of myself as an entertainer uh, in a lot of cases, like a lot of things I do are are me standing on stage with a microphone um, or at least trying to get attention from people at the same time as being like a horribly self-reflective introvert. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm an extroverted introvert, I think. So, when, when we put those that together with what you did, which was to be a, a hugely insightful person and, 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 and terribly funny, I just really enjoyed uh, evolving those ideas, those initial ideas, those conversations that we had. We were never precious about them. And it was it was like um, a, a really enjoyable experience. So mm-hmm. it became it became really paramount to me to to like this was going to keep going until we ran out of ideas. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we ran out of ideas to talk about. Yeah, I think. that's what I, I mean. And I mean, when I think back to that time, I'm off. I'm often I'm perplexed by why we didn't just keep going with different ideas. Like I, we we were so. Um, Locked into this idea of reflecting the title of the show, of can't sell this, right? Yeah. Of it had to be an idea that we had tried and had given up on right. for whatever reason. And I mean that that was fair. That was that you know we have a, a premise for the podcast. Right. It's about uh, um, ideas that have sat on the back burner for too long, or that we've shelved because we tried to sell them and, and someone said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, then it became, well, how do we fix them? How do we change them? And we, then we started having those repeat visit episodes where we would go back to an idea and right. say, hey, we actually worked on this. Yeah. Um, and, and now I'm always like, why didn't we just, just have like a podcast? Where, why didn't we just talk about ideas or just keep working on stuff or do like a journey mm-hmm. of taking something through? And not that I don't like what we've been doing, but I mean, we have kind of taken the the podcast in a in a different direction now with mm. the interviews, mm-hmm. which are predominantly the the episodes that we do. And I I don't know about you, um, how you feel about your guests. I know that mine sometimes there's a connection to an idea that couldn't be sold, but it is definitely more about the creative process. Thanks for side by uh, blindsiding me like that. Oh. That's. Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck it, we did a great job. You're like, fuck, we suck. No, no, uh, no, no. I, I, no. I'm totally kidding. You know, <laughs> I think the thing was that um, ideas have value, mm-hmm. right? And when we laid out those those 12 initial episodes, those 12 initial ideas, um, the, the concept had been these are things that we know will go nowhere. And new ideas have the possibility to go, go somewhere. somewhere right. So, you know, although although there would be immense entertainment value in that, if, if you came up with something and then all of a sudden you're saddled with the person you're co-hosting as opposed to, I'm going to go find someone to fund this, mm-hmm. there could be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Fair enough. And I think that, I think that we had, I think we addressed that really fast. It was like, you know, the, the, the one thing we produced or one thing that got produced was I wrote a short story right. and self-published it. You were involved and that was totally fine. I ended up having a conversation with someone and they're like, well, now you've created a world. You could create a world in which this vampire exists and, and mm-hmm. you know, the vampire that, that created her could have a story. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, we even talked about writing a short film and I, I'm like, well, at what point do I divest myself of it's the can't sell this thing? And right. It's, it's Hugh Elliott's it's thing. thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, so I think that, I think that when we talked about where are we going to go after these 12 or whatever it was episodes, I was like, well, why don't we start inviting people on that had the same kind of you know, experience. Right. And we were very fortunate, I think in, in, you know, in all those cases, I almost said most in all those cases <laughs> and every guest that came on where they did have conversations about something that they had an idea about, uh, strange sentence where, where they taught, where they discussed their, their idea that didn't go anywhere. Those were super fun. And, and also we really mind our ability to brainstorm on the fly. Mm hmm. Which, which I think made those episodes, in my mind, really enjoyable. That and actually getting into a studio and recording was super fun. Yes, too. yeah, that did make a big difference, especially when it was dealing with people who would bring up their ideas, and then we would, like you said, riff on it, it. riff on it, spitball, yeah. you know, like turn it into something bigger, whatever yeah. that was. And I mean, and, and there was never, not never, but it, it felt very obvious that that person would not go away going, Oh, well that changed everything for me, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but it, I, it felt nice to see them be reinvigorated, you know? And, and, and that was always, to me, that was where I found the most enjoyment. However, we would get a guest that it wasn't about the idea and it was more about what was surrounding mm-hmm. how to get, you know, Sagan, Sagan Yee was, yep. uh, was a, an amazing guest and they weren't talking about, they're right. They talked a little bit about what they did, but they didn't talk about stuff they didn't do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's and, right. And, and to me, that was that was very, very interesting. And that's where when I started, when I, you know, I think in the second starting the second year, I'd said, like, well, maybe we need to be interviewing people about what they do, because we got a lot of pushback from creatives who didn't yes, want to talk about exactly. failing. Yeah. You know, it still is something that people don't always feel comfortable talking about yeah yeah i mean there's i've i know that there's nights where people have um 
it's like industry nights where people will sure. talk about failures and they'll come up and they'll say they'll talk about the train wreck of a project that they were on and it's mostly meant to be kind of like a cathartic moment cathartic moment for them yeah. a learning experience for the people in the audience and also just you know there's some humor thrown in because you yeah. just talk about the craziness but you're right i mean it is difficult for people to talk about failures especially in an industry where um, if you have failures, you sometimes are then branded as a failure, right? Well, the, and, and yeah, and I think, you know, we got very pointed. I, I know I got very pointed emails back where they were like, I don't want to talk about stuff I couldn't mm-hmm. do. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and I, I would just go, huh, and that's weird because in my mind, that's not a it's not a negative. No, I agree. You know, because because of the fact that I think ideas have value. And and we always to me it was like we always shepherded the concept of mm-hmm. these these things have value regardless of whether or not somebody else believed in it. Yeah, and if you couldn't sell it, sometimes it means it's a bad idea, but I'd say nine times out of ten it just means that it wasn't the right idea at the time. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't yeah. right for that moment. Yeah. And you know I think that I think that one of the things that that made our interviews with those guests that did discuss things that they had, um, they they really did appreciate. I I like to think they did. I always seemed we always came out of those those interviews with those mm-hmm. people saying like, "That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Like your idea is really cool." They're like, "Wow, oh, I like what we came up with," you know. And it's and and I always felt very happy and energized by it. Yeah, and it it felt um, less like an interview and more like a conversation, a, a, a jam session, yeah. a brainstorm, something yeah. like and, and And to that point, uh, my feeling on it had been that, it be, it, that the podcast, and this is where we started to move away mm-hmm. from that, the podcast was starting to feel a little messy. Because we were constantly trying to, it became a struggle to find people that wanted to discuss this sort right. of stuff. And it, and 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 when we did have them, it it felt like a, it almost was like a like an afterthought, you know. And I wanted to feel really, and and listeners, here's here's an insight into how I started to feel about the podcast. I wanted it to feel very deliberate. The decisions we made bringing people on was deliberate, mm-hmm. and and you can see it. I think you can see it when we interviewed with Pip Robbins and Jillian. Yes. And talked about leatherworking and talked about bag making and talked about growing an audience and talked about, you know, like all of those things that people don't know the answer to were answered. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, talking and even with talking with my wife and, and, and Libs and, and talking about, you know, the organic nature of her business. Uh, I felt it was really interesting sitting down with the foodies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And having a discussion about. I'm always struck by Natalie's comment where, where they said someone was an influencer and she just said, yeah, but why you, you know, yeah. why are you an influencer? You know, and why, why do we care more about your input than somebody else's, your opinion than mm-hmm. somebody else's? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very valuable takeaway that, that we are surrounded right now by influence and, and how, how we all are perceived. Online. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, if we were just talking like having a podcast to talk, I could I could go on for for days mm-hmm. talking about what I what I consider is we have a, a an economy of influence which makes no sense. Yeah, right. Because if the economy, whatever the economy is based on, then decides 
who has influence, right? Yeah. So if it's an economy based on creativity, the people with the most creative ideas have the influence. Yes. If the economy is based on influence, how can that also then be the person who has the like? It just makes no sense. No, I know. And it's we, a recursive we, loop. When we actually we, we touched on that in in uh, Eric Fansler's follow up. Yeah. You, you and you and Eric talked a little bit about yeah. how um, content creators became the, the the kings and queens of of you know various social media channels, mm-hmm. but people that managed those content creators were reaching out to people like you saying. What should they make videos on? You're like, what? They're the creators. Yeah. <laughs> Do they not have ideas? Yeah. Is that the limitation that they have? So you know, I think that that's a, I think that that's a very interesting turn that we took. I know that you know, it may not have seemed as organic in the moment, but I felt that we had interspersed enough of the idea generation episodes in with the advice giving episodes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to trail out of the idea giving episodes. And I, I think I, I felt more confident, uh, afterwards having made that, you know, having gone to that direction, gone that, gone in that yeah. direction. I feel like it, like you said before, we struggled to find guests because we needed to find guests who were interesting, mm-hmm. who, uh, who had a good story to tell, but also had this, project or something to talk about that that was a, a can't sell this moment yeah right? and that was getting difficult because it was very niche yeah. it, it's definitely much easier you know for me to go oh well i know somebody who has an interesting career has done something interesting and i can talk to them about yeah. their creative process and i agree i think like one of the first episodes i think for me was really interesting in a, an advice giving way was John Rooney. Yeah. Um, because he was giving advice from the other side of the fence. Super, right? super specific too. Yeah. And know? just as someone who buys content or buys ideas, mm-hmm. you know, to, to let us know, you know, some of those, um, how some of those ideas played out and how like the guy who was talking to him in the John during yeah. the, 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 uh, the convention. Time and a place, pal. Yeah. Time and a place. Yeah. <laughs> Like good stories, yeah, but also good advice. You know, yeah. like don't pester people. Yeah, and it, you know, and that, and that starts to go through any 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 uh, guest we've had. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, Christy Dina was was mm-hmm. fantastic. That was a, an amazing find. Um, and for ha- to have her insights on narrative and gameplay, and 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 interaction, uh, just just incredible. Like just amazing to have that chance and i you know we'll i'll say it here that you know that first half of that episode i was i was not part of it um <laughs> because i was i was i was dealing with my my day-to-day job and and uh and christy was incredibly gracious mm-hmm, and it was mm-hmm. it was really funny to have her say hugh or do you have any questions and i'd be like i do and i'll get to them <laughs> i really just need to finish this up well yeah and i mean let's 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 talk a little bit about about that because that wasn't it. It's not just that you have been busy with work, but I mean there was a huge stretch mm. where I didn't do any episodes because I was back in school and working full time. Back in school and and, yeah. and you know and I remember we were having a conversation and it was it was almost unco- it was it was a funny thing where it can get very uncomfortable if we don't address it. Mm-hmm. And and I would I would talk to my wife about it and I would say you know 
Stefan just doesn't have time. He doesn't have time and I'm getting very annoyed. And I would play it in my head like how irritated I was getting because I was doing all of this work. And then you and I would speak and you would be very reasonable and, and say, <laughs> I don't have time and I wish I could help. And I, I think I said something to the effect of, I need you to contribute. And you said, well, I am contributing as much as I can. And I said, that's good enough for me. And then, and then I just, yeah. and then we just set it into place where you can make episodes when you want. If you can't, I'm going to keep going. And when you can have episodes, you put them in. That's all I care about. You're always a co-host. Aww. <laughs> but it's true. It, it's true, right? Yeah. Like that's that's how we took it. It was and just. It's, I mean, I I always loved when we were co-hosts, like per episode, when it was the two of us and a guest. But I mean, that just became unfeasible oh, at one point. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I, I knew how much I was not involved during that year in school. And it bothered me. It, uh, you know, I'd listen to your episodes and just wanting wanting to be a part of it. Mm. Um, so I remember I was making my list of like whenever somebody came into mind because of something that was happening in school or in work. Right. I'd be like, that's somebody I need to reach out to as a guest. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a blitz as once, soon as I'm out of here. <laughs> once school is done, you know, and I think I think it's important to 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 point out that mm-hmm. you know. There, there was no, there was no internal pressure, you know, mm-hmm. like you, I think we had one episode and I don't remember who it was, but very early on while you were in your, in, in school and, uh, I just noticed how distracted you were. Yeah. You were so distracted. You were so tired, you know, and I think I just, I just, in that moment went, I'm going to record by myself. And, and that way Steph doesn't need to even... I don't want to be one more burden is all mm-hmm, I could think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when we had that conversation, I said to you, look, you're a co-host. You're always a co-host. It doesn't fucking matter. But I'm going to keep going. I understand mm-hmm. you don't have time. You drop out. You come in when you want. That's all that matters. And, and yeah. that, that was that helpful? That was like one of the best <laughs> things ever. I mean, because no, honestly, because I thought like my fear and the reason why I didn't like right out of the gate say I'm not doing, you know, I'm going to be gone because of school was that it would just end. Oh. Right. Because think about it, like making the analogy to D&D games. Sure. Right. As soon as like the, the when somebody's like, oh, I'm just really busy. I don't have time. And that happens three weeks in a row. It's over like that. That. That, that campaign will never come, and if they do, it's been too long, right? So I was just like, I just don't want that to happen. I gotta, I gotta make it to this episode. I gotta keep going. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'd be closing my books from school and knowing that I gotta p- open them up again as soon as I we're know. done recording. And yeah. it was just, but so when you said that, I was like, okay, that's good. Yeah. And if he's okay <laughs> with me being gone and coming back later, yeah. then that's good. That's good. You know, then it'll keep going. No, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad to hear that. I, you know, I, I told. You, you you speak to your partner yeah. as as one does, and I told Libs about it, and I was like, you know, I just I just said like, just don't be in it right now. Mm-hmm. I don't care, you know. And it it freed up, it freed up a lot. One, I didn't have to schedule around you mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to try to find time that you were available. It it freed up mm-hmm. all of that time for me. So it meant I could reach out to people like Mario Klingemann, who's in Germany and can only, you know, his window is so narrow because he can only record at a certain time of day mm-hmm. that you weren't available. But and I also, could do it. Germans make really narrow windows. Germans, it's, it's really, the Germans. It's very weird. No, it's, 
It's a German <laughs> word for narrow window, which I don't know, but you probably do. I, I probably do. Window, windus, windus nerskin. Ausgezeichnet. Tighted window. Tighted window. It's got to be that. I don't know. I don't think so, but it might be. No. I apologize to all Germans, including the ones in the classroom. No, but, you know, it was like my output went up 150% because of the fact that I no longer needed to vet guests and I no longer needed to to schedule guests Mm -hmm. with you. And it was incredibly freeing. It meant I was interviewing some kind of random people. But in every situation, I thought, there's a value in this conversation. You know, one, either they have a, they have an, a built-in audience that will have an interest in listening to them talk. Or two, they, they need to voice their knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that when, when that shift occurred, it... I think it kind of, I don't want to speak out of turn or speak on your behalf, but I think when you started getting your own episodes in, it helped to sort of drive how those episodes went. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I saw how you were doing it and I realized, you know, it wasn't just about uh, you doing episodes on your own. There was a shift in the structure of those episodes. Mm -hmm. And I took note. I took a lot of notes and and said, "Okay, and well, we're doing one." <laughs> <laughs> and said, I, "I improved on it. I improved on your technique." Yeah, <laughs> which is also a German word. I don't yeah. know what that means. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, it it did help. I, I saw how you were doing it, and and it was. I was like, okay, it, it's it's more of an evolution. We can do it this way. Yeah, we and I mean, way. I mean, it, to the point where I almost thought maybe we need to rebrand the podcast. But I kind of was like, meh. Don't. Three years of a name. Yeah, and, and honestly, like the the way I started to think of it was. And, and 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 the the recent change in having uh, Jeff. Uh, do the the mm-hmm. voiceover for mm-hmm. the intro and changing it from what it was to about creatives and their process, like that to me was that's mm-hmm. a line in the sand that we just mm-hmm. stepped over. You know what I mean? Yeah. We we were no longer forcing ourselves to do a certain way. I still look for an opportunity in an interview or in an episode sure. to 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 like ask about a project that didn't make it through, right? <laughs> to ask, you know, yeah. like. Um, and it can be anything from someone saying, you know, like I, I tried to get, break into this industry and get a job and couldn't. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I, I picked that apart for a bit. Just because I'm always, I like to keep that that as a well, little bit of a theme. Yeah, but, I do too. I do too. Yeah. You know, it, I did that with, uh, I did that with uh, Libs. Because her initial, her initial thing was called Little Denim. And it was repurposing children's clothes. And it was funny when we were talking about the quilting. And I said, but that's not your first business. You know, and what, you know, in, in that conversation, it was like you realize that that those evolutionary shifts happen mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've reached out to restaurateurs. I've reached mm-hmm. out to like, you know, not just industry people, but different industries, because I, I, mm-hmm. I think that it's important. Like this interview that I did with Spotty's, uh, uh, Jermaine from Spotty's, uh, he was a, a, a server at a Jack Astor's and he is a server at a Jack, now that it's opened back up. He right. is a server at Jack Astor's makes incredible soul food like that's and he was when the pandemic hit he no longer had a job mm-hmm. and started kind of catering private parties within his friend group 
and they just said you need to be cooking for everybody and and that has evolved mm-hmm. to what it mm-hmm. is now and what it's going to be episode out in september <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny when you bring up uh covid like th- there's a lot of episodes where we touch on on the pandemic with people like I, I find it really interesting because i mean it it was hu- a huge event <laughs> yeah so obviously it's going to have a massive and not impact over. yeah and not over right yeah. but um it's i just find it interesting like even without bringing it up our guests will will get to it because it will have had some kind of impact on yeah. what they're doing i mean even the the smoke and tears episode oh, yeah. okay. uh, that isn't out now but will be by the time this one is <laughs> um, August 13th <laughs> so th- I believe I mean that was I think you're right yeah but that was an episode where you know um, they created their own company during the pandemic because yeah. they were both kind of like well what are we going to do service entry isn't doing too well and uh, curation is you know, art curation is also in, in a, a problem if there's a lot of travel that's involved. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was it was interesting to see how some people were propelled by the, the pandemic, right? Yeah. Yeah. It. I started to become concerned that all of our conversations were going to be COVID-based. Mm. But it, it really was, there was a, always, there was always a small overarching part to the conversation that would that would eventually be discussed and either kept up with or not mm-hmm. and and generally it's always a reaction to what's going on as opposed to i have opinions about what's going on mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. which i think is better because we definitely do not want to get into the opinions about what's going on no. <laughs> <laughs> with all due respect yeah. to people that feel like politicizing everything mm-hmm. I don't know how you frame your in- intros and your uh, your requests, but I always frame it as it's not an interview, it's a conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'd say either it's a conversation. I often, uh, when I am talking to people, one of the things I've started doing, uh, and I can't do it all the time, but what I try to do is have like an introductory call. I love that. And it's just like 20 minutes to half an hour where I'll talk to them. And the one thing that I will say is that the worst part is when good material comes up in such a good way that I'm like, oh, I wish we were recording that. Yeah. But I still take notes and then I will bring up that point that they made during the episode so that it's mm. like, I can hopefully get them back around to it. However, um, yeah, so I say it's a conversation, but one of the things I love to say is um, what really works well is when we have a little bit about process and what happened and what you do and what's interesting about it, but also the story of how you got there. That, yeah. That personal story. Oh, yeah. Super important. Yeah. I I, I have been... I, I don't know when you hit... When you stop the recording, having the person say, this has been a great experience, yeah. always touches me, like in a, in a, in a non-invasive way. <laughs> you had to go there. You just had to no, go sorry. there. No, sorry. I, I really do. I, I'm always very. Uh, I'm I'm subtly surprised and pleased when when someone when the recording ends and they say you know this was a great experience. I really I really. Uh, I don't know. I think everybody suffers from it, but I have a general sense of I'm not good enough to do any mm-hmm. of this stuff. Um, I find it very strange when someone says, "Well, ask Hugh. He has a podcast," and I have to go, "Yes." 
what expertise do you feel you're going to glean from me? You know, because I think I don't know anything. And yet I put on a how to podcast workshop at Ryerson when right, I work right, there, right. you know, and I'll explain. I've had a number of conversations with people who are like, I'm really interested in starting a podcast. And I'm like, okay, well, here's a few things that you could do. And it always ends with them going, well, that was really great. Thanks so much. You know, and I'm just like, I guess I do know a little bit about yeah. podcasting. Yeah. You know, do you feel like you're now a podcaster? Do you feel like that? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I think we've talked about imposter syndrome before. Yeah. I know we will be talking about it later. For sure. Um, but uh, I still feel a little bit of that when it comes to all the podcasting and even the um, uh, the sort of uh, streaming video content stuff that I've been oh, doing. Okay. Just because it's it's again another uh, uh, another avenue that I've been exploring, self taught. Right. right, and I think that that imposter syndrome that people feel will always come with that, and there's no way around it. So I would like say, if they didn't, if you didn't come out of a school that taught you how to podcast, yeah. you're not really a podcaster until someone gives yeah, you an award. Yeah, but what school? <laughs> what school teaches podcasting? Is that even podcasting a, school? Oh, is there a damn podcasting school? <laughs> I don't Why know. Why didn't I go? Oh my I god! I assume not. I'm a fraud. <laughs> I would assume not. But it's. Do you know what? Can I can I tell you yeah. what what the worst thing about COVID? has been celebrities starting podcasts. Uh, and yeah. it has been, uh, you know, I had a friend, I, I was telling a friend, it's like it's really demoralizing to have people who already have massive following because they're celebrities start a podcast and go, look at this, we've got advertisers. Look at this, we're, you know, we're going to be syndicated or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. And, and to know that I've been, you know, we've been plugging for three years. You know, it's 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 it it was it was incredibly demoralizing. And then somebody had said, like, why are you comparing yourself to a person whose entire job is is being an actor or whatever? Mm -hmm. Like, of course they can succeed immediately doing this because they've got nothing to do. Mm -hmm. When COVID is over and they're going back to work, do you really think they're gonna keep up their podcast? Yeah. And so somebody had said to me, like, why would you ever compare yourself to that? And I said, because that's what I do. <laughs> yes. But there's something interesting in that as well, right? Because now um, podcasting was largely left alone, right? Yeah. And it was a place where people could go, oh, I'm going to go start a podcast. And if, if it's good enough quality, sure. you know, like I think about some of the, the most successful podcasts. The first one that always comes to mind is Lore. Okay. And it's just like, I got interesting stories that I want to tell. I'm going to do on this podcast. You right. know, as soon as you now have uh, celebrities involved and you have, you know, studios or corporations involved, then it starts to sort of track away from that. Yeah. Right. And now, I mean, if you're comparing yourself to, to Smartless, it's because no. it's not about the, the, the fact that they're celebrities and they have this access. It's that they are making a podcast. You're making a podcast that, in, that immediately puts yeah, you at the same I level. Know. Right. I know. That's a, so <laughs> that's one of the reasons. Cause we're both in, we're both in listings. Yeah. You but know, it's, it, and it's like, so when I was talking about the, um, the stuff that I've been doing with, with streaming video. Right. So Twitch. Uh, Twitch. I did a, a, a dive into Twitch. And um, even in YouTube, like if you go in with your webcam, like your, your low quality webcam, and you, you're just using the mic that's on your computer and you're making stuff, you can be making great content, but you're still going to get compared to somebody who went out and spent $10,000 right. on equipment yeah. to and, and has all the lights and has all this stuff, right? Yeah. 
and part of my research was looking into like what does it take to to create content at a level that is at least comparable to the people who have the best mm-hmm. or have the large number of followers and it is a ton of work yeah it a ton of work there's a lot of stuff that you got to keep doing that goes beyond just being on camera and I can understand, like, there's a lot of people who talk about burnout in, in content creation. Because mm-hmm. if you're not constantly creating content, constantly networking, and, and constantly following other people's content. Yeah. It's like when I was a, a, a music promoter, a DJ and, and concert promoter in Ottawa, and I had to go to other people's events to promote, help right. support them, yeah. right? Yeah. But to the nth degree, it's like if I'm podcasting today, I gotta make sure that at nine o'clock, once I've done my stand up at work, I gotta I gotta put Twitch on and leave it on in the background, right. and then go to these three channels and make sure that I go visit them and let them know that I'm I'm supporting them. And it's just like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a many headed beast. Yeah. We I had a conversation. We Thinking Box has an anti, uh, a social media company. Uh, called antisocial and and I talked with one of the founders about it and I, I was like well what do I what do I do and he's like well how do you promote your podcast I said well when the episode comes out I put some stuff out and then uh, when the next episode comes out I put some stuff out he goes okay well there's one thing that I can tell you right away like why don't you put an when you're going to have an episode on Friday talk about it the week before like put it up, put it up on Instagram if that's where you have the biggest audience. Post about it, reshare it on your mm-hmm, on your mm-hmm. podcast's Instagram account because it doesn't have a lot of followers. And then do that everywhere that you're that you are currently right. You know where you have an audience. The week before you have a podcast episode coming out, talk about that podcast episode. The week after you have a podcast episode coming out, talk about that podcast. You know, like mm-hmm. or talk about that episode. So in theory, every Wednesday, I am supposed to post right. about an episode, whether it's the previous one or the one upcoming. And I've started to do it a little bit. And sometimes I kind of just resent the entire thing and I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and part of that is I don't, I, I almost don't like the idea of succeeding. You know, <laughs> I am, I, I'm a self-sabotager, but I love the idea of grinding so grinding this this podcast and doing how we're doing has been okay with me. I play in a poker game, a weekly poker game with a group that I've been playing forever. And one of the players is this woman, Jen, who is a researcher on the top finance podcast in North America, if not just Canada. And when she found out I had a podcast, we now talk podcasting. And it's like our experiences are so vastly different because of the success of their podcast and the fact that it's it's run by a major financial institution. Right, right. Versus you and I. You know? <laughs> sitting at a dining table. Yeah, sitting at a dining table. Yeah. But our equipment is just as good. Yep. We just don't get paid to do it. Right. And also we don't have a team helping us we don't have a team doing social right. media for us we don't have a team doing research for us we don't have a team prepping guests and prepping the host mm-hmm. and we don't have a host that specifically only does that i think that there's and that was a that was very illuminating for me and it, it, it set it set me up to feel way less disappointed like oh I, okay I, good just so we understand go the other way no just so we understand like i was in a i was not in a great place i mean based off of the world as right, it was right right 
I was not in a great place and I was just tired. And the, the, the concept mm -hmm. of, you know, the, the, uh, the burnout of doing this mm -hmm. and, and, and with, with the, the decision to say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this no matter how tired I am, I'm going to do this mm -hmm. and, and manage to put out an episode every two weeks regardless of how I felt about it. And there are, you know, there's episodes where I'm not super happy with, with what was made, but I am happy it was made. Right. And, and I think that there's a, there's a big distinction to make with when you're producing an app, when you are self-producing something that you need to take a step back and realize that you're one of very few people that are doing that. Mm -hmm. You and I are doing something that not a lot of people do. There's that, and to add to that, um, this is us clapping ourselves in the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't do very often. I'm very self-deprecating. I think about uh, a friend of mine, Adam, who worked at a uh, record label in, in Vancouver back when the internet got started, mm -hmm. when it became a thing. And uh, a lot of those artists still come to him this well, this is now like ten years ago, but we used to come to him and, and be like, "We, we want to get, we want to have success on the internet. How do how do we get success?" And he he had always talked about this thing where he said, "Well, how long is a piece of string?" Right. And he said, "You are the the decider of what success means. Right? Is is as a musician, are you only going to be um, happy and feel successful if you sell out stadiums? Right. Or are you okay with selling out small clubs? Or are you just happy that somebody left money in your open guitar case when you play on the on the street corner? Because you decide what yeah. success looks like. Yeah. And I think over the last year, like over this pandemic year, um, I I've come to the realization that there is a lot more joy uh, in smaller successes. Yeah. And it's made me kind of feel like, okay, well. Not only is is there more joy in smaller successes, that also tracks with the other thing that I've been so focused on, which is this idea of creating something with the least amount of gatekeepers. Yeah. Right? Because my my career right now is a lot of funding applications yeah. for clients. And that's fine for work. But whenever I think about doing something like that on my own, I'm like, that that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of work. It's a lot of selling an idea to someone to hope that they give you money, mm -hmm. to partners, to funding bodies, to distributors, yeah. then finally to your audience. And I just realized if I, if I like the idea and I can't sell it, what happens to it? Right. right? And then this goes right into our idea. I can't <laughs> sell this. What happens if I can't sell this? Yeah. And the, the answer was I would still want to make it. Yeah. And I'm still going to make it. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I found that, like, it was really freeing to realize that I decoupled my thoughts on what success looks like from what I perceived people would think of me. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a very astute observation. You know, I had to run in with a listener uh, at the virtual uh, FITC conference this year who okay. said, oh, I've been listening to your episodes. I really enjoy them. Oh, cool. That was worth more to me yeah. <laughs> than any stupid number that gets attached to how many people have, have liked and subscribed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, you know, it's, I, I had a neighbor, we were, 
we were having a we call them porch beers. We were just having sitting out front and having a drink. And uh, one of my neighbors across the street. Wait a minute. So a, is that like you sit on your porch and they sit on their porch? No. Well, initially it was uh, they would stand on the street. So we were giving each other the space we needed, you know. <laughs> I so love it, it. It's just been maintained within the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, my neighbor who is a, she's an, a, a French teacher. I think she's a French teacher. Anyway, she's a teacher. She said, oh, I've been listening to your podcast. And I went, oh, you know, because I don't... <laughs> You know, I don't know what you've been listening to, and I don't know if you like it, and I don't know, you know. And she says it's 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 an interesting podcast. I said, well, that's all I need, you know. Yeah. Like I'm, the concern is, and Helen, I apologize, but you know, the concern is that that someone's going to go. I listen to your podcast. Eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you, or you get the. I got some ideas that could may, really make it better. I'm like, I does it need to be better? I could probably make it better. You yeah. Know? Well, you could. But that would be your podcast, podcast yeah, you know. Exactly. And I don't. I, I love the you know the what you were saying about um, the, the number of gatekeepers we have to deal with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Now I answer to people on the daily for everything else. Mm-hmm. Yep. But if you're going to try to tell me, like, if someone were to tell me how to do the podcast, I'd be like, I don't have any interest in your opinion on this. You know, like mm-hmm. it's going to go how I want it to go until Steph and I decide we're going to make it do something else. Yeah. And I mean, uh, and yeah. And I would say that I, I always listen to people's advice, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to take it. That not taking it doesn't mean that I think, you know, any less of them. Mm-hmm. It just means that, you know, I understand what you're saying, but we're doing what we're doing the way we're doing it. And I think often advice is like, you know, if you just did this, you'd probably be able to pull in some sponsors. And I'm like, cool, but that's not a goal that I have. <laughs> that's not a goal all. we have, you know. You know, like yeah. it's, it's. I think about, you know, I think often about, um, not often, I think about the vampire story and how, you know, I was like, will you be the editor? You edit it. You know what I mean? Like, this is, I can't sell this production. Mm-hmm. I'll write it. You edit it. And when I wrote it, you you came back and you had you had a very different vision for the story, mm-hmm. and it, and you would you would you would share that, and I would go, "Yep, I'm not doing that," <laughs> you know. And it was like, you know, I did adopt something that was really it's really key to the entire story, which is the the phone. And you were like, "It should be about the phone. It should be about this." And I was like, "I'm not going to do that," you know. And and because you had a whole, there was a whole extra thing to it and I and I was like I don't like where that's going I'm gonna stay how I'm doing it but I really like the, and it was I had to mull it over and I really like the phone the idea that the end is you see the phone light up as someone has actually responded to someone that you felt is irredeemable or, or mm-hmm. can't be saved and stuff like that and I, I realized it lends itself very easily to a short film yes you know and 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 most especially, it lends itself to a Canadian short film, NFB, as a co-pro. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think that when we talk about those original episodes, it, it comes down to energy level. Mm-hmm. Do I have the energy to work on any of that stuff? Mm-hmm. I think about them all the time. Do I have the energy level to write about the general? Do I have the energy level to write about, to, to write the skit that is... You know the poet laureate, mm-hmm. but it is an easy skit to write. I'm just too fucking tired. I'm too lazy. Yeah, yeah, I know how you feel, and um, I think motivation has been a, a big problem oh. this year. Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to blame things on the pandemic, but I definitely feel like 
it's it, it has been tough sometimes to to you know not just end the day of work and then just work again watch netflix yeah, yeah. oh sorry yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i was i was finishing the wrong sentence it, flip it, that. But yeah. it, is, it is it is a you know i think when you're on all day it is difficult to turn back on specifically to to self mm-hmm. produce mm-hmm. so it to me this the, the podcast has been about self-producing and, and maintaining and no matter how depressed in the pandemic got, it was still going to happen, you know? And can I say how pleased it, I was to have you start making episodes? Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, I was I was excited to be involved again. So It was, you know, I have, I have thoroughly enjoyed being surprised. Like, it has been, like, I don't know how you, I don't know, I don't know if it felt good for you. With the, with that stretch where I was just doing episodes and you would go, well, I haven't listened to them. I haven't listened to this or I listened to this. And I don't know how you felt about that. Um, but I did feel like I, I was like, man, I just I want Steph back. You know? Yeah. It was the, it was the same as, as with the with the school. Like the, it was the same stretch, basically. But mm-hmm. I, I just I constantly felt that I was missing out. Yeah. Um, and as much as I'm like, I, I, I like and I think that it's much more feasible to keep going with the one-on-one, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we leapfrog or, you know, you'll take a few, I'll take a few, yep. whatever, episodes. But I still do miss the, oh. the ones that we do together. Oh, and my God. Sitting in Jeff's studio? Yeah. Jeff's back at 306. Yeah, you know what you were saying. But it's not called 306 anymore, I don't think. But it's all, it's all redone. Like it, uh, No, I have no idea. One of the things that that happened recently during all of this is, um, so we talked before about the fact that I used to DJ and I used to make all these mixes and uh, lately I've been actually going through a lot of my digital files and I was like, you know what? I don't have a backup of all my DJ mixes right? and I should probably do that. And I know that I've got like duplicates and some are worse quality than others and some are corrupt and i gotta go through all these files i just i just threw it all into into different buckets right so it wasn't i went through it and organized everything Mm -hmm. found the the best cleanest recordings that i had and at one point while doing all this i'm listening to my stuff and i'm like i wonder wonder if there's like a a good free tool for mixing right and i found one i found i found mix uh, with three X's. Surprising. Yeah. With oh, three X's? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, the last thing you want to Google, eh? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it is... It Did is you a... mean Minx? <laughs> no, Google. No, no, no. I no, meant no, Minx. <laughs> and a tangent. When I was trying to look up Asian Huskies, because oh, Kim boy. and I were in the park, and we saw a dog, and she's like, I think that's an Asian Husky. Did I'm you like, mean Asian Hussies? No. Oh. Did you mean Asian Hunks? And just shows me photos <laughs> of topless Asian. And I'm like, no, no, Google. I was looking up pedometer, and uh, <laughs> don't stop at pedo with that. <laughs> FY, you. <laughs> this, is a, this, is a, this is a lesson to be learned, yeah. by the way. But anyway, so what I want to get at was um, I found this tool, and I was like, you know what? There is a project that's been in the back of my mind since I was a DJ back in like 2008, like one of my last years of DJing. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to do this mashup of uh, Boards of Canada and Beastie Boys. Okay. And I was going to call it Beastie Boards. Nice. And 
I, I never did anything with it, but but it's like one of those things that us creators have where that, that little project is just nagging yeah. at the back of my mind. So I made it. Okay. It took me three and a half minutes to figure it out. <laughs> I just took two songs, you know, like figured out the levels, mixed it, right. recorded it, made an MP3. I'm never going to do anything else with it. Okay. But it's done. It's going to be in the show notes, obviously. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to get sued up the wazoo. Well, whatever. It's the show notes. What are they going to do? No, exactly. No, and it's, I mean, it's not fantastic, but it's kind of what I wanted it to be. Nice. And it's done. And, and I realized afterwards, like, oh, my God, I feel so good. Having accomplished something. That is, that project just went, well, I'm done. See ya. Put yeah. its hat on and walked out the door and it's no longer in my brain. Right. So I was like, you know what? When people talk about um, perfection being the enemy of done, I think mm-hmm. also just I can't keep putting stuff on the back burner. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. So I need to really just start producing this stuff in yeah. whatever format it, it gets made in. And it doesn't matter what it is as yeah. long as it's done. Yeah. Right? It's out there. It's Well, done is a, done is a sliding scale. Right, oh, uh, you know, I like that. We we often we often concern ourselves with what the thing is going to be, what it ends up being, as a commodity that is going to be appreciated by the people that see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the light bar that I made is a, a piece of quarter round with a strip of LEDs on it, uh, sticking into a three D printed handle, and a and it has a tail of a USB cord that I plug into a battery pack, and that's how I make it. Absolutely gorgeous results. Yeah. 100% yeah. just looks like a hunk of junk. And I look like an <laughs> idiot waving it around at the beach or wherever, but the results speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I really do think done is a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. But yeah, perfection is the enemy of done. Is that what? This yeah. yeah. Same fucking thing. Yeah. Um, Speaking of producing, is that a good segue? Yeah. Okay. I just didn't want to. Okay. So, so speaking of producing, uh, there are, there are some fairly big changes happening in terms of our lives, in Mm -hmm. terms of your life, which will be in the follow-up episode, uh, the episode uh, that happens after this, but, um, we are going to continue doing what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, the hope, I think, long term is that when COVID becomes something less obtrusive to our lives and everybody feels safe again, we can get back into a studio and mm. we can figure out perhaps a way of doing the intermix between creative ideas and people in their process. In the meantime, we're, uh, we're going to stay the course. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we are going to do individual interviews uh, one, I think, because um, it takes the onus off of one person. It takes the onus off of you to produce. It takes the onus off of me to produce. Um, but it also gives a greater range to the episodes uh, for the listeners, for you, the listeners. I think that that's good. I th- I loved... I have really enjoyed, like I said, I've enjoyed the surprise. I have loved the insights that come out from your conversations. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, Richard Rotter was a fantastic episode. Emily Switzer was a great episode. I'm looking forward to the ones coming up. Uh, I mean, likewise, I, I just like I, I liked Haas Gifford. I thought was really well done. 
Um, it was a long episode. Holy yeah. It was, good. it was just one of those long conversations. But thank mm-hmm. you. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But that's just that it didn't feel so long until I realized when it was done what time it was. Mm. You know, podcasting, I think, has suffered <clears throat> a little bit uh, in, during the pandemic because it's a commuter sport. It's something that yeah, people do when they travel true, and because yeah. people aren't traveling. And one of the things that a, a few people have said, they're like, yeah, I, I haven't listened to your podcast because I used to listen to it on my way to work. Right. I used to listen to podcasts on my way to work and, and, and specifically to yours on my way to work. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's right. I've listened to my podcast. Our, our podcast. I've listened to our podcast <laughs> because I edit my episodes mm-hmm. and I have to listen to mm-hmm. it. But I can really understand if people don't like it. it I have come to a that that was a big realization for me. Mm-hmm. So either listenership will go up dramatically when stuff reopens, which is it is doing, mm-hmm. um, or or I'll just keep getting uh, excuses. <laughs> <laughs> Do excuses. But uh, and I think it's interesting uh, just. Uh, touching briefly on that as well like we talked about how there was a lot of podcasts that got started during the pandemic and uh, yeah a lot of those might drop off but I think it's also interesting because I mean think about how we create a podcast Mm -hmm. right it it was easy to keep going and I think it was easy to get people to 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 say yes because they had time they not only did they have time but i mean like yeah please let me talk to a human being who is not someone who lives in this house right right and um so i can see you know like the you know what i'm gonna start a podcast i'll be talking to people i'll be social <laughs> and then i'll have a thing that i can promote and i mean there's Without a realizing there's like three or four hours for every episode yeah it's just working on the episode by yourself yeah <laughs> yeah but uh listening to yourself yeah. talk yeah have you do you still do you still run into uh, people saying, "I just hate how I sound." Do, do you have I you haven't had, had one of those in a while? I, I find it very yeah. funny now that it, it, it's something that one I've never really minded my voice, but I have really gotten used to my voice, yep. and yep. and and not only hearing it here and and how I hear it, but hearing it with headphones on while I work on the mm-hmm. episode. I've gotten used to my cadence, you know? And when I listen to you, it's funny, but considering we do not, we haven't been recording together, when I listen to you speak, I I really do, I, I enjoy the, um, there's a little nuance to the way you speak that, I, that I've really enjoyed. And I don't know what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a brief intake of breath and then you, and then you, you launch. It's like you launch into it. And I really have enjoyed that. I find I, I speak very differently than you, obviously. Um, or maybe not so obviously. But I have, I have, a, ve- I have a, a very um, uh, a drawn-out cadence that, that when I speak, I, I, I tend to... I try to avoid ums as much as I can, mm-hmm. which means I have a lot of breaks in my talk, in my speech. But that's where I can edit them back together yes. and I don't sound like yep. a big fucking goof. <laughs> well, that's, I think, I mean, I've had, had had that issue trying to edit things down. I had the issue where I recorded one episode and I forgot to split oh, the nice. audio, but that's because I was also recording class at the time. Right. And with 30 students, I don't want to have 30, 30 separate tracks, audio yeah. tracks. Um, and I said, I'm there. 
No, well, um, no, is, no, um is not a problem. It it, it 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 really is only a problem for me. Like I find, I think it's because our prime minister says um a lot, and every time he gets onto a podium and starts to speak and um has a moment when he um has to figure out um his next sentence um drives me fucking mm-hmm. bananas. Yep. But it doesn't drive me bananas if someone is speaking for a full three minutes without a single break and they all of a sudden realize that they have to get to the next sentence and that next sentence isn't fully formed in their head. So they take a moment and um, they, um, get into it. Agreed. And it also, I think there's an element of, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but that um, or if there's another sort of, uh, right? Yeah. Someone says right all the time. And then all of a sudden, that's all you hear. Yeah. And it's just, it becomes so loud. Yeah. That, yeah. that is something that I notice in my editing and uh, have tried to I, avoid saying it now or cut it out whenever I can. I have been, and this probably isn't as interesting to <laughs> listeners, but it, it might actually be. Um, I have been more forthcoming with reaction because because it's an audio podcast if i am entirely silent while someone speaks i have disappeared right so if while someone is speaking i can add in a right yep Mm -hmm. i will add those those noises and Mm -hmm. affirmations of my presence back in so that i don't disappear from the episode and I think it's 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 something that I didn't do initially because I felt I was invading someone's moment. But affirming that you're listening is not a problem. No, that's fine. And I think also when we do multi-track recording, it's very easy. If there's ever one that feels like it's invasive, you can oh, just cut, cut it, it out, out. right? Yeah. Cut it out, move it to where there's an actual gap in the speech. Yep. I've done that so many times where someone is speaking and I kind of accidentally interject into it. But I know I do want to be there, but I'll just put myself at the end of the sentence. Right. And go like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like I'm a very uh, scheming kind of guy. You should have a, a, a Hugh <clears throat> Elliott soundboard. And you just, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just use that one over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> Stay the course. Uh, I am uh, I am grateful for the time that we have had making this podcast, by the way. I am likewise grateful and still blown away by the fact that we've been going for three years. Three years. Yeah. Three years, a couple of knuckleheads sitting at a table <laughs> with the mics going the wrong direction, yelling into them and just getting drunk and recording three episodes, two of which got aired... The third of which did not. And and now is going into the show notes? No. <laughs> no. I don't rec- I actually don't know if I've saved it to be I honest. think I, it probably would be best if you deleted it. I that don't episode. remember what the episode was. I know we re-recorded it. And we uh, yeah, with it making sense. Yeah. But I remember we we, we were no in sense. no shape no. to record a third episode. So uh, listeners Thank you, by the way. Yes. For every time someone says they heard an episode, it, it really does bring a, a, a spark of joy to my heart. Um, and uh, keep listening. Yeah. And we'll keep talking. Thanks. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content in this episode is copyright Hugh Elliott and Stephen Grambart. 
Questions or comments can be emailed to admin at cantsellthispodcast.com. Music for the podcast is provided by Not Of. Find Not Of at notof.bandcamp.com. Opening and closing voiceover provided by jeffwright.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, a like in whatever platform you use goes a long way to helping the podcast get noticed. Thanks for listening and keep creating. Thank you.